good to be here this morning. And uh, my wife, Amanda, she, I'm, I'm not as pretty as her, so I don't know why you stay down there. They have to look at me. But we're so honored to be here. You can put up our photo of our family. And we have our kids somewhere in the children's. Thank the Lord. Uh, can enjoy this time. But I, I concur completely with what he was saying about the freedom. I mean, we're not sitting here waiting, hoping the police don't show up at the back doors and going to arrest everyone, get our contact information. And I've been in situations like that. Spent um, 18 years in China, worked in North Korea, and now we're stationed in the Middle East. And these things are very real. And Satan's threatened by the believers gathering. Why is that a threat to him? I mean, I think about what an honor to come together as believers. We gather. We don't even sometimes understand why we gather. We gather to worship and scatter to evangelize. We gather to honor the body. Each one of us have a gift. So we should never, ever take that for granted. Keep it, keep it very close to our heart. Because we just flew in a few days ago, so this is all, it's always fresh the f- it's, and special. The first church we go to to see the freedom of worship, and I'm so grateful. So uh, for, those, for those of you who don't know us, yeah, we live in Turkey. You live in the next photo um, in Istanbul. The Lord told us to move there. And um, it, this Turkey is a, we, we target, our ministry targets unreached people groups and uh, the persecuted church. So Turkey is uh, an unreached people group. And so we're targeting the Turkish people and the Iranian people right now. Um, the ones that have escaped from Iran and live in Turkey. And it's just mind-boggling. In America, we have about one church for every 200 people. And in Turkey, there's one church for every 425,000 people. And the average church size of Turkey is about 20 people. So that's like a perspective of what we, I mean, just the fact of kids' church. I saw all these kids the privilege to grow up hearing the word of God taught. So there's a real spiritual warfare going on in the world against the kingdom of God because he wants us believers just to sit back and keep it to ourselves. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 10, I love it, he called his disciples and gave them authority to what? He gave them authority to literally war a warfare against a kingdom called darkness to bring people out, of, snatch them out, and bring them into the kingdom of lo- the son of his love. And authority to, to, the first thing was to cast out demons. And that's a whole other message. But, like, it's a real thing. We're, we're so naturally minded, we forget there's a spiritual warfare going on. And wants to keep us, steal the word out from our heart, and keep us self-focused. But, but we belong to him, right? He purchased us by blood. Um. I want to share, you guys blessed us so much last year. We, we just had a divine connection and uh, appointment, and you, you just sewed into us and helped launch us into this new place. And so we just want to share a quick couple highlights of what you're, what you're investing in as a body, because we're a body together. We're extension of the church. So everything that goes on is uh, you've sewn into. Um, in January, there was, a, there was a massive earthquake. If you were watching the news, go to the next photo. And this, this hit really personal to me because in, I had, I'm sorry, February was the earthquake. In January, I had pr- gone down to the city of Antakya, which is the, tr- the original city of Antioch, where they were first called Christians. And I had preached twice, two different trips in that month, and taken one of my kids and we were just there in the streets, and you can see the before and after, the d- level of destruction. It felt like an atomic bomb went off. So right after that quake hit, I drove down with a Turkish guy to bring to his family. He was separated from them. He had five kids, and he didn't know if they were alive. So we, we drove through the night, through a snowstorm, and uh, go to the next photo. And what was amazing is us as the church, we were the first to respond before the government, before big organizations, the body of Christ was there. Isn't that cool? That's how it should be, right? And so um, did a bunch of stuff. Uh, people, people came out and gave everywhere. We've already 
we'd already invested over 50000 and um, helped aid four churches, built little homes for families all over, a lot of Christian families, because they're still rebuilding. They still have 50,000 buildings collapsed, and a lot of them were these big apartment buildings, just crazy. Um, we we uh, fed 3,000 people and then bought 1,500 items of clothing for Syrian refugees on the border, and, and every time they knew we were Christians, and it was a testimony because there's 99% Muslim. So the fact that Christians are giving was, was a powerful uh, motivator for them to be open to the gospel. Um, so we're still in the process of doing things, uh, helping. Um, go to the next photo. Uh, one ministry that started this last uh, year was working with Iranians. So apparently there's thousands of Iranians that escaped the country and live in Turkey. So I met up with 20 Iranian evangelists that go out many times every day in the streets of Istanbul and go try to give Bibles out and evangelize. And you have to understand, in, in this street where I took this photo, you can see behind me two of the evangelists are talking with somebody. There's uh, spies everywhere. And they're kind of like, they, they know what's going on before you even know they're there. <laughs> and they'll all of a sudden, they'll come up and join the conversation. See, what, what are you guys doing? What's in your bag? If you're a foreigner, they'll get your passport, ID card. It, it's, it's a risky thing because they could kick you out of the country just like that. But, you know, we're not, uh, that's where we understand the authority because the devil may want to stop you. But if you're prayed up, uh, he can only do so much because people need to hear the gospel. And this one thing happened um, that I'll never forget. We were handing out, so these are uh, Farsi Bibles. They're similar to Arabic script. You start on the right and you go left. I, I can't speak Farsi yet. We're learning Turkish. And my wife and I are competing who will learn faster. We're very competitive people. So... <laughs> Uh, right now, I think I'm winning slightly, but she, she's going to uh, overtake me, I'm sure. Um, but we were handing out these Bibles, and um, some people would take them, some people would, didn't want to have anything to do with us. One lady, she was probably 65, she had a hijab and everything on, head covering. She took it, and she was so grateful, she's wanting to read a, a New Testament. And... Her husband turned around, and he got erased and grabbed this, ripped it out of her hand, and was going to give it back to us. And she turned around and was ripping it back out of her husband's hand. So all of a sudden, here is the husband holding the Bible in one hand and the wife on the other. And they were literally having a tug of war over the word of God. She'd never had a Bible before, and she was so desperate to read it. And eventually, the, the husband ripped it out of her hand and threw it back at us. How many Bibles do we have at our house, in our home, on our, our phones? And there's people desperate to get that truth. It's truth. And the devil's threatened by it, and he wants to steal it away from our hearts or not get us to even open it. And commune with the Father and let his nature get inside of us. And change us from the old man to the new. To look like him. There's some real sp spiritual warfare. That we gotta. It's the. Uh, Jesus is coming back. <laughs> for his church. Amen. But you're helping us reach people over there. Um, I'll go back one more. I'll tell one more short story about this girl here. Uh, we were doing a. Helping do a camp. Ministry camp in somewhere in Turkey. And there was a bunch of Iranian believers. And this girl named Hanessa, she was, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she's nine years old. And we were praying. And she, she said, I really, like, you know, kids, what do they want to pray for? She was saying, I want to pray that my brother gets baptized because he's fallen away from God. And that we have the faith to go back to Iran and preach the gospel to my grandparents because they don't believe. And go back to Iran where we could be put in prison. 
or killed. And I think, man, the faith of a child, like how many, how, much, how many times do we use our own faith to secure a better life? And God wants to bless us, of course. But how often do we use our faith to secure salvation for those at our own risk? And like, man, I want to keep this close to my heart, to always stay pure in that, to use the authority God gave us for these kinds of things. So that was really cool. That just happened a few months, um, a month and a half ago. Go to the next photo. And there, the, the sec- part of the ministry drive we're doing is to help also raise up a group of people to pray out a move of God in this region. Because if, if you're in a place of darkness, you, you have to pray. <laughs> you have to pray. You have to pray. You can't just go out blindly and do it. You look at Jesus. He prayed all night before he went and did things. And he prayed often in the mountaintops. So... Um, Many times my wife and I will go and pray sometimes at a mosque. Um, you can see we took our boys there at one of the mosques and just prayed. People go in there, they're praying to Allah, and we pray that Jesus reveals himself. And it has happened. People are literally praying to what they believe is God, and then Jesus shows himself up like he did to Paul. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Like that stuff's happening all the time. It's because we pray, if we don't pray as a church. Um, and I guess I'll, I, I'll close with this. Uh, if you guys want to partner with us, um, you can grab a brochure in the back. It shows a little bit more about our ministry and a business card. Go to our website. Um, and we're so, so grateful for that you partnering with us, even financially. And uh, we also really need prayer, and we're serious about that. If you, if you wake up in the night and you feel to pray for us, please pray. And there's some people that we're trying to really share Christ with that are close, but they just need that push, you know, all the blinders to be taken off so they can see the gospel. So thank you. I didn't want to take up any more time, but I appreciate you guys sending us out. Hey, let's take a minute. We want to stand up here for a sec. Um, I want to take just a moment, and we want to pray over them. Um, you know, as he said, they're in an environment of 99% Muslim people. Um, and the interesting thing that he was sharing with me was about uh, a lot of these Iranian people who have come to Turkey are actually coming looking for really spiritual freedom because they don't have it in their home. And so they've actually had a lot more success with the Iranians in Turkey so far, you know, uh, because of their openness to it. And really, and you'd shared even that uh, they've kind of seen the, the, the true faith of Muslim faith has come to pass in Iran that they quite haven't seen yet in Turkey and so they're like we don't want the darkness of it really I think it's how you worded that yesterday and they don't really want that they, so they're like hey I've been there I've seen that that is not what I want and so I'm looking for something better um, and they're really spiritually hungry and so um, but I just want to take a moment as a church and pray over them and uh, so if you would just hook up your faith and so Father God we just thank you right now we thank you for the work that uh the fishers are doing there in uh, Turkey and in the surrounding regions. Father, we just thank you for your abundant grace to be upon them. Father, we thank you for protection for them, for their kids. Father, even as they're going about their day-to-day life, Father, we just thank you that the enemy is blinded to their presence. Father, that doors get open to them, that, that, that their testimony is really there. the only way that this could happen was that God made the way, God opened the doors, God brought us into this relationship that opened up these different channels of of ministry and opportunity. And so, Father, we just hook up our faith with them right now. Father, we say that no weapon formed against them will ever prosper. But, Father, we thank you that they go uh, even into the dark regions of the world. But, Father, we thank you that the light shines the brightest in the darkest of places. And so, Father, we just thank you for them. Father, we just thank you for clear vision in purpose, Father, even as they're stepping into this second year of their ministry there, Father, we just thank you that it's even getting more and more clear and more and more uh, targeted in, in the exact reasons and purposes and desires that you have for them as a family, but also the reason that you've stationed there, them in this region. And so, Father, we just thank you, Father. We thank you for all of your provision and your blessing, Father, that everything that they have need of, even that they don't even know about yet, Father, I thank you your word declares that you're the God who sees ahead and you make provision before we even know that we need it. And so, Father, I thank you, even as they're walking in obedience and faith following after you, Father, I just thank you for your abundance to be uh, just manifested into their life and into their ministry. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Awesome. Well, hey, as he talked about there, uh, if you want to financially partner with them, obviously you can stop by the table, get some information. If you prefer, you can also uh, just give through the church. You can do that on your online. You can do it on the app, all that. All the money that comes in, we give to them. So we don't like skim any money off the top or anything crazy like that. But if you want to give, if you want to partner with them, continuing to do what they're doing, I would encourage you there. Um, you know, one of the things I don't specifically, I don't, when I look at uh, things that the church gets involved with financially, I don't look at projects, I look at people. Because if people are genuine, I trust them. They can have a great project, but if they're not genuine, I don't trust them. You know, we were actually talking about that yesterday, just about some different stories that we knew of where, you know, money shows up and it, money goes away and nobody quite knows where it went. And so it's important for us as a church, and even that for you to know that, is that we are looking for people who are trustworthy that we can partner with, and these guys are definitely that. And, uh, and so just so appreciate them coming. They probably, eh, you might be getting over jet lag by now. You might still be a little jet lagged, but uh, they just got in the country on Thursday and then uh, are here with us. And so just so thankful that they got to come. And uh, so today, we're going to wrap up our series called Hello, which is really about hearing the voice of God. But before I get into the message today, I just want to share a little bit of an update, but also just this month, um, just so that you know, Darren and I are going to be taking a couple weeks off. Look, let me tell you this. This has been a year in the works. So this is not in response to something bad. Quite the opposite. I actually have had conversations with our board about us just taking some time. And uh, just refreshing and resting and spending time with family. Uh, so we're actually going to be out the next three Sundays. I will be back the last Sunday of July. I, let me just, please hear me. I am not going anywhere. Okay? Hear this. There is nothing wrong. This is important. Okay? So here's what I expect. You're going to come to church next week. Because I'm still preaching next week. I just won't be here. You're like, wait a second, you'll figure it out. But then uh, week two, we're starting a new series next week. Uh, so I'll be doing week one and week four. Um, Pastor Daniel's going to be doing week two. Pastor Sean's going to be doing week three. And uh, so we got it covered, and we have tremendous. Um, we are so, so blessed that we have a great team around here. And, uh, is that, and the truth of it is this. If I can't leave for two weeks or three weeks and the church fall apart, we're in trouble anyway. And because uh, that's one thing that I don't want is for this church to be built around me or upon me, is I want it to be much greater than what I can do. And so part of that is just God has brought a tremendous team around us, and I'm very thankful for that, and that's actually very healthy. Um, and so I know this is going to sound self-serving, and it is kind of, but it's also not, uh, is that a number of years ago I heard somebody make a statement, and it really convicted me and really challenged me, which was that if it's good for me, that it's actually good for the church. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're actually spending a week with our families on vacation, me and Dara. We celebrate 20 years uh, anniversary at the 1st of August, and so we're going to spend a week together, and then we're going to spend a week with our kids. Um, so that's what our three weeks is going to look like. And so if you need anything, uh, you know, I, I've kind of tasked uh, Pastor Sean, which they're on vacation right now. He'll be back uh, as well. But I've kind of tasked him and saying, hey, you're in charge while I'm gone, and uh, if anybody needs me, he can call me. And, uh, you know, but, uh, but, and so we have other people, there's other people in our leadership team, obviously, we've got a, uh, God has really blessed us, and so this is actually a very good thing, and so part of it is, is that I teach you to rest, and, and I would be a hypocrite if I don't do it, and I, I think most of you know me, I don't do it very well, and so even the three weeks is a, is a great challenge for me, I've never missed two consecutive Sundays in over 20 years of ministry, ever. Um, and so for me, and so I, 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 I shared with our board earlier this year, we were in a board meeting, I said, hey, I want to put something before you guys and just kind of let's talk about it. And, uh, and, and it was specifically about me taking time off and what is a reasonable amount of time. And um, I'll, I'll be very candid with you. I told him, I said, hey, what's the minimal number of days I can take and y'all are okay with it? Because I need people to protect me from me. Uh, and that's really what this is about, because I love what I do, and I want to do it for a long time, and I want to do it really well. And so part of that is me taking time so that when I can come back, I am re-energized and ready to go. And uh, so that's really what this is about. And so don't be freaked out. I promise you there's nothing going on. Uh, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you there's no skeletons in the closet. There's nothing like that. And because uh, usually when somebody does something like this, it's like, oh, what did he do? 
I didn't do anything. And, um, and you can ask, I mean, if you just so chose, you could go ask the board. We've actually been having this conversation for about a year. Um, and so, and this fall will actually be uh, mine and Dara's fifth year here. Uh, it'll be our five-year anniversary. And so, um, you know, but 20 years of marriage. And so I, I, we can say we've, we've made it 20 years in marriage and 20 years in ministry, and we're still swinging. And, uh, you know, so a lot of people can't say that. And uh, so, but I just wanted to let you know uh, that, and so I want you to hear it from me. Uh, but I will be back July 30th. So y'all better get ready because I might be preaching for two hours. But uh, <laughs> just get ready. And, uh, but, hey, I, I want to just touch on something that uh, Joab had mentioned, and it really sets up why we're doing this series, is that, one of, you know, the whole idea of, uh, you know, really the, the importance of hearing from God is because we live in a spiritual world. Is that we don't just live in a natural world that has a spiritual component is that we actually live in a spiritual world that has a natural component to it. And so even as we pray, even as we seek God, and that's an important aspect of us really experiencing all that God has for us, but it's more than just us talking to God. We also need Him to talk to us. And here's the thing, is that God wants to talk to us. And I've been sharing with you over the last couple of weeks about this, is that I believe that every time that God speaks to us, He has a blessing in mind. In other words, God has something good, and that's why he speaks. Even if he corrects us, the end result is actually for our benefit and our blessing. And so anytime that God speaks, we ought to pay attention. We ought to listen. And so in week one, we talked about this, uh, is really just with the story of Eli and, and Samuel, and that Eli had to learn to recognize the voice of God because he thought Samuel kept calling him. Remember that? He was in bed, and he runs in there, and he's like, Hey, Samuel, did you call me? He's like, I ain't call you. Go back to bed, boy. It's the middle of the night. Right? And that happens a few times. And then finally Samuel's like, wait a second. I ain't calling this boy. Hey, Eli, when you hear the voice again, just say, hey, Lord, it's your servant and I'm listening. And he began to learn. And so we need to have ears that are ready to hear from God, number one. Because how many of you know you're probably not going to hear what you don't want to hear? But if we purpose in our heart, we, we kind of say, hey, God, I want to hear from you. We, we have faith that God is going to speak to me. Then it does something on the inside of us. And so we talked about that. And then last week we looked at Moses and the burning bush and how he had to stop what he was doing, kind of take a little bit of a detour. He saw this bush that the Bible says was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. And he didn't know that was the Lord. And why do I say that? Because he goes to the bush and then God introduces himself to Moses. It says, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It says, I am the Lord. And that was really the initial moment where Moses began to really discern or recognize the voice of God. And so week one was we got to listen. Week two is we need to rec- or to discern. In other words, because there's lots of voices. Primarily, there's three voices in our life. There's the Lord's voice, the enemy's voice, and our own voice. But we got to learn who's talking. Because if it's the enemy, we don't want to listen. Sometimes our own voice, our own thought, our own reasons and reasonings can be skewed. But when God speaks, it's always for our good. It's always for our blessing. It's always for our benefit. And, and so, you know, I, I think in, last week we talked about this, is that we shouldn't hesitate any time that God wants to speak to us. We ought to be receptive to it. And, and so today we're going to look at a few things, but uh, and, and so... This is a familiar passage of Scripture, but it just kind of reinforces what I've been sharing with you over these last couple weeks is that God can be trusted. He really is good. Jeremiah 29, 11, very familiar passage of Scripture. If you were around any amount of Christians when you got graduated high school, you probably had this crocheted, stitched, printed on something that somebody gave you. And so it's a pretty familiar passage of Scripture, but it says, and this is the Lord speaking to Israel, and he says, For I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster. He wants to give us a hope or a future and a hope. What's hope? Hope is an expectation that something good is coming my way. That's what hope is. Fear is the exact opposite of that. I'm convinced something bad's about to happen. God doesn't say, I'm going to give you fear. No. The Bible tells us the exact opposite of that. I don't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. This is God's desire. And, and so last week I, I shared this with you is that God never wastes a word. Ever. 
Like God doesn't have to tell you 40 words. He can say what he needs to say in four words because he never wastes a word. And every word is intentional. And so that can be the spoken word of God. That can be the written word of God. Sometimes there's um, even uh, thoughts that are not our thoughts. God will speak and it comes up not just here, but it comes up on the inside of you. And it's that inward witness that God will speak to you. And so what do we do with that? We go back to God's word. And we want to, what? remember we talked about the tension of that and keeping those things in, in context because what God speaks to you will never violate his written word. So this keeps us level. It keeps us grounded, right? Remember we were talking about the, the Fruity Loops? Remember those people? And then we get to legalism and we don't want to be in either one of those places. We want to be in the middle. We want to ha- have this tension in our life. And so I shared this with you last week, is that when God speaks, it's not simply for information, but it's always for revelation. Well, how many of you know that information does not change you? How many of you know something that you should do, but you don't? Why? Because information does not change you. Knowing something doesn't create behavior. Revelation, when God opens up our eyes to see something, revelation begins to revolutionize. How we think, how we see, how we act, how we talk. Things begin to shift. Why? Because there's an understanding that came. It's like a download from the Lord. And man, it unpacks. And what he says in a moment, we can chew on for a while that has tremendous blessing and benefits in our life. And so today, as we wrap this series up, we're going to be looking at an account with Abraham. And there's a lot that we could talk about with Abraham. And for the sake of time, we're just going to jump into Genesis 22. Um, But really, Abraham acted in faith by obeying God's word. So many times we want to say, well, I have faith and I'm believing God. But the Bible tells us in James that faith without corresponding action is pointless. In other words, it produces nothing. So we have to have action that actually follows up on our faith. or Or we just have lip service. We're just saying, oh, I love the Lord. Yeah, but do you, I mean, Jesus said it this way, if you love me, you will do what I ask you to do. And sometimes we put too much emphasis on the second part of that verse. In other words, if you love me, you'll do right. But Jesus, I believe, actually said, hey, if you love me, you're going to want to do this. It's not a have to, it's a want to. And that's a big difference. And so here in Genesis chapter 22, we're going to jump in today and start looking at Abraham. And this is one specific instance. And so I'm going to read through some of this, and we're going to read a good portion of uh, Genesis 22 together. But I'm going to stop, and I'll give you some thoughts along the way as well. But starting off in verse 1, it says that sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith, and God called, and, he sa- and Abraham says, yes, I am here. Yes, Lord, this me. Now, I know some people can get a little um, thrown off with the word that God tested Abraham. This is a, a concept throughout Scripture. Now, that, here's one of the things that you have to know is that there's a big difference between a testing and a temptation. God never, tempt, God never tempts us, but it doesn't mean that he won't allow us to be tested. Why? Because the testing is what proves the purity of our faith. And so sometimes people can get tripped up on this. And so let me say it another way, is that to, to be tested means to try or to prove But it also is an occasion for the development of our faith. Without trial, without resistance, if you've ever been to the gym, how many of you know you don't get buffed by just going to the gym? I mean, if I could just go to the gym and just walk around, and just as I walk around, I'd start getting bigger. I'm like, whoo! I'm going to come back next week, I'm going to be even bigger. Like, Why? Because I have to put some resistance on my muscles for them to grow. You're like, I thought we were talking about hearing from the Lord. We are. Because when God speaks many times, it's going to require obedience, which doesn't, is not always what we want. But sometimes God will leave it, or lead us into a place for an approval. Let me say it this way. Without a test, there is no promotion. There's no growth. If we really want to develop and we want Christ to be formed in us, then there has to be that development that happens on the inside of us. And so if we'll learn to hear from God, he will lead us into that place of growing into maturity, growing into what he has for us, shaving some of our rough sides off because we all got them. 
And we need the help and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to do this. And so there are things that, 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 that tests do. Number one, test purifies. You, man, your heart will be exposed real quick if your heart's not right. And God can do more with a, with a right heart than he can with all the skill and ability on the planet. A pure heart. And so it produces in us, there's a maturity. There's a removing of things that hold us back. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 talks about this. Lay aside all the sin and the weights. Some things aren't overtly sinful, but they're just not good for where God wants us to go. And so, you know, and that could be a lot of things. It's not just obviously like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. But it's just like you get that little prick in your heart like you shouldn't listen to this. You shouldn't watch this. You need to listen. Why? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Remember in week one, I, I shared with you the thought of how many of you had ever felt conviction? And almost everybody raised their hand. I'm like, then you've heard from God. Because that's one of many people's biggest hang up. Well, I just can't hear from God. I can't hear from God. If you've been convicted, you've heard the voice of God. So you have the ability. It's just, are we paying attention? Are we listening? Are we processing what he's saying to us? And so this is important. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 talks about this. Lay aside the things that are holding you back. A couple other scriptures just for reference. If you're taking notes, it'll help you when you get to heaven. They're going to ask for your notebook. But you can, you can jot down these scriptures and read them later. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. And then also Psalm 66, verse 10. Uh, so that's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Psalm 66, verse 10. These are just two of the verses. And the Bible talks about this many times. And so if God tests us, then where does temptation come from? Temptation comes from the enemy. The Bible's very clear about this. And so uh, God always, God, well, I'll say it this way, is that God brings a test in our life to approve us or promote us, but we got to pass the test. God does not grade on the curve. How many of y'all remember the curve? Didn't you always like it when you were the one who set the curve in school? Like I got an 85, but that just became 100%. How many of you know God does not grade or view us on a curve he looks in light of his word and that is the standard of our life right and so as we were talking well let me go back let me jump back into the story here so I think this is verse two so God comes to Abraham to test him and he says hey Abraham I've got an assignment for you he says take your son your only son yes Isaac whom you have loved very much now a little backstory. God had promised Abraham that he would have a son, and through that son, he would bless the nations of the earth. From promise to fulfillment was 25 years. You think you've been waiting on God a little while. Abraham waited for 25 years, and how many of you know that Abraham was 75 when he got the promise, and when the fulfillment came, he was 100. Anybody know any 75 to 100-year-olds having babies? I don't either. But yet here, and so obviously what happens, though, is that the promise, I believe, became too important to Abraham. And this can happen for us, too. And sometimes God will ask us, what's, more, what's most important to you? And so what was the promise, I believe, which was Isaac to Abraham, became an idol to Abraham. And the Bible's very clear, I will have no other God before me. And so to test Abraham, to test the purity of his heart, God says, hey, I want to know what's more important, what I've given you or me. So it says, and, and you'll, you'll notice throughout this, there's some unique language that's repeated about Jesus later on, and we'll get into why this is important. But he says to take your son, your only son, he says, yes, Isaac, whom you have loved very much, and he says, and go to the land of Moriah. He says, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. This actually happened multiple times with Abraham where God said, when you leave, I'll start talking. But as long as you're sitting still, I won't talk. Sometimes we want to wait to get the whole map written out to say, God, when you show me every step, I'll take a step. And God says, I'm not talking to you until you move. Why? Because it requires faith to please God. And if we're going to continue to hear the voice of God, we're going to have to start taking steps of faith, steps of obedience to what God is leading us in. And if I want to continue hearing from God, I'm going to have to continue taking steps of faith. 
It, 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 it's absolutely necessary. And so it goes on, it says, the next morning, not the next week, not the next month, not the next year, not when he got around to it. He said, the next morning, Abraham got up early. Now, I don't know if Abraham slept at all that night. If I'm Abraham, probably not. I probably was up all night asking God, like, is there another way? Can, we got a plan B? Because like, what was the word from the Lord? Your son is to be sacrificed. That's a challenging word, to say the least. So he gets up early. He saddles his donkey. He takes two of his servants along with his son Isaac, and they're on their way. They start on this journey. As me and uh, Jen were talking about this series, uh, and even specifically the different weeks, because obviously we're teaching this in here, and each week we've been teaching it to the kids so that hopefully you're having conversations around your house with your children. And let me just help you. If you'll start talking to your kids now about hearing from God, it'll be really easy for them to hear from God. If, you, if, if they wait till they get our age to start listening to God, it will be more challenging for them. So don't be intimidated by the fact that your kids might hear from God better than you. I would actually say that makes you a really good parent. You can work on you, get them started right. God will help you, but it's important. And so, anyhow, so as we were talking, she made this statement one day about obedience, and I thought, ooh, that's really good. I'm, I'm going to steal that. And so this is how she defines obedience, which was right away, all the way, and the happy way. Obedience is right away, right, all the way, and the happy way. It means I'm going to do it right now, the way you told me, with a smile on my face. And that's how we ought to obey the Lord. Yes, sir. I've said this over the last few months, really, and it's just been a phrase that I've just been saying is that my answer to the Lord is always yes. I have no reason to tell him no. He's never given me a reason to tell him no. Even when I didn't understand in the moment when I said yes, it always came out to be for my benefit in the end. And so my answer to him is yes. I, I have predetermined my answer. Yes. I would encourage you to adopt that. God, my answer to you is always yes. It's always whatever you want to do. And so this is important. And so let me backtrack just a little bit for a moment. I said this a minute ago, but I didn't finish it. Is that God always tests us to approve and promote us, but we've got to pass the test. The devil brings in temptation to cause us to be disapproved and to bring punishment into our life. So tests come for promotion Temptation comes for demotion. The enemy's looking to accuse you. He's looking for a way to say, I told you, I told you you'd do that. You're a sorry dog. He's always looking to tear our faith down. God is always looking to build it up. And so this is important. And so even, and so that actually comes out of James chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Write that down too. James chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. You can go read about that. But here's, what I, here's one of the main things I want you to hear today. Is that not every instruction from the Lord is easy, but it is true, and it is for our best. See, we want God to speak when it's easy, when it's comfortable, when we like what he has to say. But what about when it's going to take faith to say, God, I don't understand all of that yet. Abraham did not know. God said, look... Pack up your boy, start walking, and I'm going to tell you where's the place when we get down the road. And Abraham got up early and acted in obedience to the word of the Lord. In verse 3 here, the second part of verse 3, it says that Abraham chops wood for the uh, fire of the burnt offering and set out for the place uh, that God had told him about on the third day of their journey. It says, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance and says, stay here with the donkey. He told his servants, it says, the boy and I will travel a little further and we will worship there and we will come back. That's a very curious statement to me because what was the word that God gave him? You're going to sacrifice your boy. Now, not to be too graphic. But when Abraham makes this statement, and I'm going to show you this in Scripture, he did not mean me and the boy are coming back, but he's going to be in pieces. 
He said, we're going to worship. He's coming back with me. That was actually a statement of faith that we know about from the book of Hebrews. We'll look at this in a minute. Is that God said, and, and he knew what God had spoke to him, and he's saying, God, I don't know. I don't understand all this. I don't get all this. This is your promise. You said that all of the nations would be blessed through my son Isaac, and now you're telling me to put him on the altar? Sometimes God will require of us our idols. And those could be lots of things. What's an idol? Anything that's more important to you than God. That could be security. It could be happiness. It could be a relationship. It could be lots of things. God didn't like idols in the Old Testament. He doesn't like them in the New Testament either. He doesn't like them. And we don't use that terminology in our culture much because we don't think of it like that. But we have them. We just label them different. We call them different things now. So Abraham makes this statement. He says, hey, we're going to go over here. We're going to come back. It says, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. It says, while he himself carried the, the knife and the fire. It says, as the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son? It says, we have wood. We have fire. Said, but where's the sheep for the offering? I know the drill. We're going to worship. We're, we're going to sacrifice an animal to the Lord. Like, we're, we're like Dad, I know you're a little old. I know you're, you're pushing the hundo level. You, you might be forgetting a few things, but uh, we're going to need something to sacrifice. Because Isaac did not know what the Lord had said. Legitimate question. Very honest question. Where's the sheep? And Abraham responds and says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. In other words, I don't have to understand it. I just believe that God's going to, I don't know how God's going to work this, but I, I know he's going to work it out. I just, I don't have all the answers. He says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. It says, and they both walked on together. It says, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar. Obey right away, all the way. If you're going to sacrifice, you've got to have an altar. What if Abraham got to the top of the mountain and was like, all right, God, I'm, I'm, here, at the, I'm here where you told me to come. Where's my provision? Where's my answer? I, I'm believing you're going to provide because you're not a man that you should lie. Man, it, 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 this makes no sense if you're asking me to, to, put, to sacrifice my son, but yet he's the promise and there's this back and forth tug of war going on. No, we, something's getting sacrificed today. He builds the... Now, when I get to heaven, I want to watch the film of this moment. I really do. It's kind of crazy. If you like just take a minute and really like logically process what's going on. If I'm Isaac, dad's old and I'm young. I'm like, come get me, buddy. Like, we're going to play tag and you ain't catching me. I will outlast. I'm younger. I'm faster. I got more energy. I got more stamina. I, I don't know how... Abraham convinces Isaac. I have no idea. Because you could argue who had more faith, Abraham or Isaac. Because Isaac got on the altar. Where did he learn obedience? From his father. He had watched his dad obey God. Now he's and trusting his dad has heard from the Lord. Pretty crazy. Says so. Abraham begins to build the altar. In other words, he's continuing in his obedience. He arranges the wood. Then he ties up his son. Maybe he lassoed him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It says, and he tied him to the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. So he's got the knife up. He's ready to to be obedient, even in something he totally did not understand. And it says, and at that moment, the angel of the Lord said to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham stops and says, yes, here I am. And he says, don't lay a hand on, on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. 
Now, again, fear is not like I'm afraid of. Fear is I reverence, I honor, I respect. It's I worship him. Now I truly know. Abraham passed the test, and guess what? He gets promoted. Because God, and this is my language, is that God looks at Abraham and says, now I know I can trust you. If you'll give me your son that is so precious and so valuable to you. And I think what actually happened is that day is that Isaac moved back into his proper place, not as an idol, but as a precious gift to Abraham. Because God was after his heart, not after. Now, you, we'll keep reading here just because I think it's pretty neat. In some of it. And so he says, um, so I know that you've truly feared God. He says, you have not withheld even or from me even your own or your son your only son now there's a lot of parallels in this story about christ and the father there's actually another parallel that most of us don't even know about is that what abraham was doing in because you're like well why would god ask for his son this makes no sense god would never ask for something this crazy well god is a legal god He is bound to his word. He gave dominion to man. And by Adam's act of, I'm sorry, um, Abraham's act of obedience, it actually opened the door for Jesus to come. Why? Because it opened, there was this, a legal door, if you will, was open. So that's why Isaac, the one treasured son, Jesus, the one treasured son, go and lay him down on some wood as a sacrifice. Well, Jesus was laid on a cross for a sacrifice. He was, Isaac was taken to Mount Moriah. Guess where Jesus was taken? To Mount Moriah. The exact same mountain, the exact same place where Abraham acted in obedience. Jesus paid the price for us. And he made a way for that to happen. I love this as I was reading Different, I have different commentaries, things I read, but um, there was this quote that I came by across from uh, Dr. Jack Hayford, and he says uh, that we do not fear when God's direction takes a turn that you do not understand. He says, do not fear when God's direction takes a turn that you do not understand. He is completely trustworthy. Don't fear when you don't understand. He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. You can rely on him. Even when you don't understand. And sometimes that's the only thing you can do is rely on him because you don't understand. But don't fear. Don't give in to these things. So what happens in verse 16? So the verse right after what we just read says, this is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your own son, your only son, I swear by my name that I will certainly bless you. God spoke, he acted in obedience, and blessings came after his obedience. So many times we want the guarantee. God, bless me, and then I'll go. God, bless me, and then I'll act. Bless me, do what I ask you to do, and then. And God say, no, it's the other way. You got to take some steps to see me work. I think many times we can be even be wondering, like, where is God in all of this? I ain't hearing God. Have you, have you? done what he asked you to do have you at least started moving in that direction like just an example i'm gonna make this super practical like god i feel like you're you want me to get a new job just show me where it is lord show me where it is lord show me have you looked to see what jobs are available are you qualified for that job lord i think you're leading me to go back to school have you applied yet I'm just believing God's going to provide. When God provides, I'm going to go. God's waiting on you to apply. Because you can't go to school without getting accepted. There's steps. God is a God of order and process. It's not just, here's the finish line. Oh, it's just perfect. It's easy. Why? Because there is character formation in the journey that needs to be had, or the journey and the destination will not be the blessing that God intended. So there is preparation In the process. But when we obey God, even in the small things, 
See, I believe that, it's, that our responsibility isn't the blessing. That's on God. Our responsibility is our obedience. God, I'm going to trust you with the when, the how, what it's going to look like. I'm going to trust you with the blessing. My responsibility is yes, sir. Whatever you say, I'm your servant. My life's not my own. I am yours. Whatever you say to me, yes. I don't have to like it. I don't have to understand it always. But in the end, I am confident that I can trust you and that you have my best in mind. And in the end, I'll be thankful for what I didn't understand. And I can tell you many stories in my own life of where things I did not understand, things that I thought were unfair, things that I just thought, God, this just isn't right. And I look back on it, and I'm like, God, thank you for not listening to me complain. Thank you for not answering those prayers that I asked you to get me out of those situations. Thank you for leaving me there because there were things you were doing in me that I was not aware. I'm like, Pastor, I thought we were talking about hearing from God. We are. In a nutshell, what good is it for God to speak if we're not going to do? Why speak if we don't determine we're going to obey? And here's what I believe. I don't know that God will speak if we don't have a heart to obey. If we're not ready to say yes, and I, look, God is gracious. He is good. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. But it requires faith just to hear from God. It requires faith just to pray. Man, this ceiling catching all my prayers? Or is God actually hearing my prayer? couple weeks ago I shared a thought with you about just how we like tough we want God to give us these tough assignments God just wants and needs our obedience you can go read in 1 Samuel 15 22 it says what's more pleasing to the Lord offerings or sacrifices and he says obedience is actually better obedience is better than sacrifices God I'll lay everything down for you and God's like I don't want you to lay down anything just give me you like, let's just have some obedience. Like, if, 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 you, if that's your heart, I can do something with that. In Hebrews chapter 11, it gives us a picture of this moment. So if, if you don't know this, or maybe you haven't heard this, but Hebrews 11 is called the hall of faith. It's like where God starts bragging about people's faith throughout the scriptures. He's like, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. It's funny. People who do stuff for God, it's always by faith. It, I mean, Hebrews 11.6, or 11.1 says, without faith it's impossible to, ple- to please God. But then in verse 6 it says, God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you want the blessings of God, start obeying God. Start listening for his voice. He's going to lead you and guide you into what he has for you. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 and 9, it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that he would give him as an inheritance. It says, He went without knowing where he was going. Depart for a land that I will show you. Depart came before the will show. Start stepping. God will speak. He says, and even when he reached the land that God promised him, he lived there by faith. Total side note, but it's worth mentioning. Have you ever thought about the promised land that God gave the children of Israel when they went and scouted out? They said there's giants in the land. Why would God put giants in the promised land? Because you couldn't get there without faith. As a matter of fact, the report from the The ten bad spies was, we are not able. That land would eat us whole. We can't survive the land. And So you can say it this way. Is those giants were God's insurance policy to ensure that only a people of faith could take that promised land. There was no other people that could take it. And so even in the place where you think, oh, when I get to that place, when I get to this position, when God opens up this door, when when I arrive... Everything's going to be calm and smooth and easy. No, you're going to have to live in that place by faith. So we don't just get to opt out of living by faith. As long as we're breathing, we need to live by faith. 
if not optional. In verse 17, so that, that's really was an earlier account of, of an example of Abraham's life, but in verse 17 it talks specifically about this encounter on the mountain that Abraham has with, with Isaac. The end of the story, by the way, I don't think I read the end of the story, is that he's there, he looks to his beside him, and there's a ram caught in a thicket. And the angel says, hey, go get that, there's your sacrifice. But he didn't know it until the Lord revealed it to him. So God still provided, and God actually reveals himself, and Abraham calls him that as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. One of the names of God is one of the ways that God reveals himself. I am the God who provides. Verse 17, it says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God tested him. It says, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him that Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. And here's the key. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, that God was able to bring him back to life again. It says, and in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Abraham said, look, I don't understand what you're doing, God. This doesn't make sense to me. I, and sometimes we can be there. And that can become a big hindrance to hearing from the Lord because we ask why. And God doesn't respond to that. I've never had God ask me, answer me when I ask why. Not one time. And I've asked why a lot. A whole lot. I'm just wired that way. My mom tells me that was my favorite word growing up. Clean your room. Why? Eat your food. Why? Go outside. Why? Because I'm about to kill you. You know? <laughs> why? 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 Well, that didn't stop with my mom. There's lots of questions I've had for the Lord. God, I don't understand. This makes no sense. I've even tried to use Scripture to convince the Lord he was wrong. I know you've never done that. Lord, the Word says this, though. He doesn't respond to why. He just says, are you going to step? You heard me. Are you going to obey me? And sometimes I, you know, and, and I've had this happen, and so I'm going to leave you with one, just one thought as I'm wrapping this up. Is that you may be here, and you're kind of in a, in a silent space, and you're like, man, I haven't heard from the Lord. I haven't heard his voice in a while. You know, week one, I gave you some life hacks. How many of y'all remember those? I put some up on the screen, some life hacks. And I told you one of the hacks of the Christian life is learning to really recognize and obey the voice of God. And so I'm going to start it with that. I'm going to end with that. So here's you another hack. If you haven't heard the voice of the Lord in a while, there's probably a reason. And here's probably the reason. I'm not going to say just absolutely the reason, but is that many times when God goes quiet, it's because I've lacked obedience in an area that he's already talked to me about. I'm going to condense the story really, really a lot. Me and Dara knew for three years that the transition was coming when we were youth pastoring. And we just kept talking about it. We're like, man, we know God's doing something different. We didn't know what it was, all this stuff. And the only thing God told me was to get out of debt. Didn't know why. We had done that pretty much, like 95% of the way there. And so we were praying and praying and seeking God, seeking God. We're like, man, we're doing everything we know to do. And it was kind of, through, and there was just, a, I won't go into all the detail, but there was a moment where me and Dare were almost dumbfounded. And it was like, what, what do we do? Because God wasn't talking to us. We didn't have any direction. It's just like, man, I felt this way. I felt this way for several years, and I don't really know, and couldn't figure it out. And then finally one day we just were talking, and it was like, is there any area of our life that we've not done what God asked us to do. And my response, I think she had asked me that. And my response was, oh, we still got a little bit of money on the credit cards. But it was nothing in comparison to what we had paid off. But what was the word of the Lord? Get out of debt. Not get rid of most of it. And it took us time. It's not like, you know, I mean, God says get out of debt. The mailman's going to deliver me a bunch of money. Like that's... The, you're not going to find that in the Bible. 
It was a process of time that the Lord taught us a lot of things about finances and how to handle our money. And we were like 95% obedient. Enough that I was just comfortable with that last little bit of debt. And I thought, well, shoot. And look, I did not have a word. It wasn't like I said that and it's like the heavens opened like, oh, that's your answer. It wasn't like that at all. It was just like, I don't know. Tried everything else. I mean, it was almost desperation because I didn't know what else to do. And I thought, man, that's the only thing I can think of. So we paid it off in the next two months. That was at the beginning of the year. It was like March or April we paid it off. And I can tell you the day, it was May 12th, God spoke to me. Clearly. He spoke clearly. I had lots of questions. And it was this exact verse. Depart for a land I'll show you. And when he said it, I knew God's not talking to me until I leave. I'm like, God, why can't you talk to me now? You, You know, like, you know, the end of my life. Why can't you talk to me about next month? Like, come on. You're all-knowing. You see everything. You know everything. But I knew in my heart. And I was like, I, I, I have to obey that. I could walk in the building where I was standing that day when the Lord spoke that to my heart. And it wasn't like audible. It was just that scripture literally just almost leapt up in my spirit. And it was like, that's the word of the Lord. Depart for the land that I'll show you. And when I left, God didn't talk. You know, I mean, logic, at least my logic, we're going to go. Me and Derek got away. We're like, we're going to spend a week of prayer. God's going to speak. He's just going to lay out the plan. It's going to be awesome. We get together and we pray for a while. And it's like, what's the Lord say to you? Nothing. Okay, let's pray some more. Day one goes by. Day two goes by. Day five goes by. Nothing. Nothing. Months of silence. God, you said when I left, you were going to talk to me. Nothing for months. Six months later. There was lots of questions in six months. Did I make a mistake? Was that really the Lord? Did I just sleep bad? But with a thousand percent confidence, I can tell you this today. If I didn't take that step, I would not be standing here. No question in my mind. Not at all. As a matter of fact, I think that that week of prayer that we had spent seeking the Lord, I believe we actually prayed out the next couple of years of our life. And divine appointments and opportunities and things that God did. and What I thought was just wasted time praying, God was preparing my future. And I'm saying, God speak, God speak, God speak, God speak. And he's like, I will. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. And for months it didn't make sense. And I've walked out the destiny of God along with my wife, along with our family. Why? Because we just obeyed the Lord when he spoke. But we have to prepare our hearts. I've repeated this statement many, 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 many times throughout these last couple weeks. It's my last little thing for you. But you ought about have it memorized as many times as I've said it by now. Is that every time that God speaks or that He leads, He wants to bless you. Even in His correction, He has our blessing in mind. And it really is for our benefit. Every time God speaks, He's got something good for you. Every time. Every time. Every time that God speaks to you. Every time. That his spirit comes upon you. He has something good in mind. He wants to work. He wants to show himself good and faithful and strong for you, to you. That's why he speaks. It's so important that we prioritize hearing God's voice. Because he has wisdom that we don't know about. He has plans that we don't see. He has ways that we don't understand. But he's trustworthy. We can trust him. He really is good. You have no reason to be afraid of hearing the voice of God. None at all. That's how he leads. How he directs us. That's how he protects us. So I want to pray this morning 
before we conclude. And I, and I really want to pray just that there's a sensitivity in our spirits to hear the voice of God. The Holy Spirit will help you. John 14, John 16 talk about this, is that the Holy Spirit comes as our helper, the aid, the one who comes alongside to help us. What? To recognize. So when we get things, little nudges or little things from the Holy Spirit, we can ask, Holy Spirit, is that you? No, that was just you. But that was me. Yeah, that, that right there, yeah, that, that, was, that was me talking. There's going to be that peace that comes, and it, it's just, we've talked about it. I don't have to re-preach messages. You can go back and re-listen to them if you need to. But again, if I'm going to give you one hack in a Christian life, this is it. Learn God's voice. It's the greatest secret weapon you got in your arsenal. It really is. So, Father, I thank you so much for every person that's here in this room.